0: Thank mm-hmm. you. To the Crash Course podcast, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Steve. Getting right to the point. Um, no announcements this week. Um, I'm excited for our guest for this month. We'll get into that at the end of the episode, though. Although I have teased it a lot, because you have, you've exciting. announced it several times. I have because I like bringing it up to make sure it happens. Oh, Unless just
1: say it. It's Nelson Lugo. It
0: is Nelson Lugo. The well, third third time yes um we will only my second i do have the album that he's bringing to us it's something for 2014 we'll go over that at the end um i had a blast at the concert i went to last weekend it was a lot of fun and um i'll possibly do a write-up about that we to show online but i've said that before so we'll see still, still a little jealous mm-hmm. um skepticism <laughs> let's go into john's pick right away since this is a meaty album John, why don't you give us a little bit about why you chose it? Juicy.
2: This week's album is from the band Between the Buried and Me, a uh, prog metal band that this is their seventh uh, release album, Coma Ecliptic. And I looked up the word ecliptic because I had no idea what it meant. It's some sort of like unusual growth in its first rendition. It's something that you're not supposed to find.
1: So it's not just in Eclipse,
2: as no. I no, proposed last eclipse. week. Okay. Yes. So, no, no, I was wrong gotcha. about that. Uh, this was brought to me by Future Money, a.k.a. Alon. From the F- Wall Street Players. Uh, we've featured on in episode 2 and 29, respectively. And uh, we were talking the other day when we were hanging out. This was about, not the other day, about a month ago or so. Um and he was like, Hey you should listen to this and he was like he was already giving me disclaimers about it because it was like, It's metal, it's prog, it's long. <laughs> and I was like, Well that's sounds- funny we
0: could have used those disclaimers last week.
2: Yeah. It on <laughs> long. <laughs> <laughs> <True, True. true. laughs> um but I was like, it's perfect. That's the sort of thing I would love to get into. It's been a while since we did metals, It's been a while since we
1: did Prague. Well, I always love our Prague episodes because they're pretty sparse and they're always like revealing. I mean, one of our first Prague bands was oh, let's see, Godsticks back in episode fifty-one. Later on, we tackled Scale to Summit in episode sixty-seven, and then more recently, Steve Wilson's um do 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 hand cannot erase in episode one forty-two. So. Each of these episodes, they're interesting because Prague is that form that just expands. It goes places. Usually, they at least give you a good discussion, even if you're skeptical on perhaps some of the musical directions. The point is, there's going to be a lot of directions, and there's a lot of influences within Prague. So, yeah, between the buried and me, um, they are pretty much. A- Unanimously classified as a progressive metal band. So emphasis on metal here, but this is probably more metal than some of those other bands that we reviewed. I mean, Scale the Summit maybe had a little bit more post-rock influence, but it kind of stemmed from metal. But this is this is pretty heavily metal. Anyway, they've been around since 2000, the year 2000, that is. So the year it's a 2000. Sorry. Uh, I preferred your uh, rendition of... <laughs> last um, week, up,
0: up, up, or
1: something like that. <laughs> that's so much better than yeah, other thing it he is. Did. It's true because he was making a um, fly the Concords reference. And <laughs> no knows? one would get that from what you did. Anyway, uh, so yeah, two thousand. That's a good fifteen years. It's hard to believe that's fifteen years already. But yeah, they've been around a while. And apparently, they have their origins in another band called Prayer for Cleansing, which was started in nineteen ninety six and is actually described and I'm shamelessly quoting Wikipedia on this, described as a vegan straight-edge metalcore band with elements of hard rock punk and melodic death metal.
0: That's a depressing sentence. Probably one of the most depressing sentences I've wait, ever wait, heard. It also wait, wait.
1: sounds like a joke. Yeah. V- like, wait, wait, wait. Vegan. That was the punchline vegan to the joke. Vegan death metal. Vegan straight-edge death, straight death metal. Vegan straight-edge
2: death metal. That is probably the most interesting thing I've heard in my life.
1: Before we get too hung up on this, let's be clear, this is not what we're reviewing today. <laughs> yes. They were around for apparently four years, and then they folded, but two of its members formed this band. Those members are Paul Wagoner. Um, it's not Wagner. It's actually Wagoner because it has two Gs and then an O-N. So it's spelled like wagon-er. Thanks for explaining. I, I, I thought I had to. And then Tommy Rogers. So uh, both of them were guitarists. So uh, They believe... Tommy Rogers is more of a vocalist here, and then they picked up another guitarist, Nick Fletcher, and a bassist, Jason King, and finally drummer uh, Will Goodyear to complete the ensemble, and they've been running strong ever since. Now, as for the band name, that is actually taken from a Counting Crows song, uh, called specifically called Ghost Train, and the lyrics... Oh, yeah, I know Ghost and Train. And you know the lyrics? It didn't, cl- it didn't click. Go ahead. You probably will know this particular lyric, then. Took the cannonball down to the ocean, across the desert from sea to shining sea. I rode a ladder that climbed across the nation, 50 million feet of earth between the buried Damn and me. Yeah. Oh, isn't that beautiful? It's a
0: great song, actually. Yeah. So
1: it's a really great origin story. And there's actually a story behind this uh album title as well. At least it's a it's there's a story behind the name itself, and it's probably as defined of a theme as we got perhaps back in uh Steve Wilson's hand cannot erase. We knew the theme going in there, we kind of know the theme going in here. And that's basically the idea behind Coma Ecliptic about it involving a man stuck in a coma. Journeying through his past lives, and it was added that the man faces a choice to either stay or move on to something better. And each song will be its own episode in a sort of twilight zone esque fashion. Need I remind you, this is also all Wikipedia information, but it seems to be the whole concept going in. Now we have to kind of look at it through that lens. It's a very, it's a very decisive title.
0: I just feel like sometimes when, band, and this, this may or may not be the case as we go through the album, but when a band or an artist defines what the album is and kind of tells you, it's this, it's almost like when Billy Joe went, This album is epic! Don't say that, Billy Joe. Don't say that. Well, I mean, no, it's
2: better that Unos Dos Trey was the pre, during,
0: and post party. It was just a very sad party all said and done. But, yeah, what, but was... what, I'm, what I'm saying is sometimes when the artist defines what an album is before you even hear it, it can be foot and mouth. It may not be the case here. We'll we'll let you decide as we discuss, but just something I want to bring up. It's
1: evident on the cover, too. You see that person just kind of lying flat, but almost seeming to levitate. So it's very much focused on that person who's apparently unconscious. And then he just revisits all of his lies. I didn't necessarily listen through the album with that lens. I just was kind of interested to hear some really cool uh, prog metal. And let's see what whether we get either or, right. or both of them concurrently. Well,
0: there's definitely, even in, amongst the first song, there is no um, disregard for it being metal. It, it, it is metal. But anyway, the first track is... we got to argue that metal point. We, yeah, I don't think we will at all. <laughs> the first track is called Node... Um, and the intro from the first few moments, it's
1: kind of striking. It got my attention. Just this kind of electric piano sound. Yeah, this actually, just for the intro here, it's 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 very serene, all pure keyboard. They have the kind of keyboard you can find in almost any keyboard out there. The same sound, electronic piano one or two. You know, yeah. one of those settings. Um, and it's very easy to reproduce. I, I I really like the way this is built. It. it if we were, let's say, in A minor, it would begin with the first, dimin- first inversion diminished second chord, which would be B diminished, and it's all just arpeggiated here, and then that's followed by a major fifth, E major, but we never really seem to resolve to A, so we don't actually get that A minor, but it's, it's, it's- that would be the natural progression of this opening the whole 2-5-1 deal but we never get that instead we're just stuck in the tension that is that diminished second and then the fifth and i don't think we end up going to a at all i'm not sure really i was just kind of focused on that the way that tension's built and i really love the way it's just bottled up there and then it actually does build into something else but
2: like you said it doesn't really build in the way that you kind of expect it turns into more it, I want to say
1: almost piano power chords. Yeah. In fact, we we add uh, the piano itself, and this time it's an actual piano, not just an electronic piano. Um, alongside that, we also get the vocals, which are just very soothing tenor. And even this really reminded me back of the stuff in uh, Stephen Wilson's album, the same exact style in which he sings. He was a, a really, really clean tenor, and he had this very almost uh, effervescent voice, if you could describe it as, as such. It It was rather beautiful and to be honest we had to kind of wait for it i think in that album this it's really right up front and it 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 sets a a stage as you'd expect for a metal album because after all metal really isn't all just thrashing this precedent was begun as early as Metallica with the idea that you, you have these sections that are almost in such stark contrast that you can really appreciate the, seconds, uh, the sections where it gets loud.
0: Yeah, this tone, this actual full piano that we get at this point adds an even more haunting kind of hollow nature to it. I think Steve said at one point, hard noir kind of a setting, and it really yeah. does build a strong setting here from the moment the actual piano comes in, and I, I like that. I like I liked when a song really takes you into a setting right away and doesn't allude to it, it just kind of throws you in. And
2: this is further expanded when they go into uh, the string placement. As the string starts subtly coming in and gaining a little bit of steam, it, it sort of sits with it and adds that extra little element of fear that really did set the horror aspect of it. Or at least, the, the not, not horror per se, it's not truly frightening. It's a setting that is definitely on the wrong side of the railroad tracks. It's
1: definitely a setting that's darker, that does have some monsters. Yeah, it builds up those opening chords into, like, these various suspensions. It, it really kind of pushes us deeper into the wilderness. And alongside that, you do get that cello, which is very present throughout here. And also, I noticed that it really trails off as then as we return to the initial verse. Mm-hmm. You get, like, that just that last little strung, the last bowing of the cello that just tapers off, and then you're back to the beginning. And then the next time we do that, the strings are even thicker as we move further onto this into a kind of hook that really like holds these chords and even the melody here it's it's very full it's i i love the way it kind of drags itself out for the durations of measures it's very decisive
0: i like that also once it picks up a little bit, because it doesn't get thrashy, it just picks up a bit, you get this kind of metal urgency that you hear a lot in more melodic metal songs, like Metallica you were referring to, mm-hmm. where they create a sense of urgency just based on the instrumentation. The singing is also conveying it, but it's mostly conveyed by the instrumentation here, and I like that.
1: Now, one early critique, just before we get to the, the, the climax of this track, which is the big instrumental that we're kind of building up to for the whole, uh, the lyrics themselves. I kind of want to pick them out a little bit better here, but he has this tendency because the ver- the the, mel- the melodies are dragged out across the measures, you know, he drags on, like, a certain syllable for a really long time. It's very it's very ethereal, sure, but, you know, there's beautiful, beautiful language here. You kind of want to get into it, but instead all you hear is just tones and voices. It, it seems like there wasn't a lot of emphasis placed on, like, bringing the words out within the melody as beautiful as may be.
2: Dark worlds engrossing, our sun
1: is sleeping,
2: the dance has lost its step. The teeth will be shown no more. Alone we find the escape. Alone we risk it all. That is that is just pure provocative poetry going on right mm-hmm. here. But the way he says it, you're right, it's not it's dark yeah, world
1: really, just slow. it's actually yeah. the, the, the and it gets world. it gets lost after a while the, it's unfortunate
0: v- the vocal style is actually very reminiscent of um, Tom York from Radiohead that kind of drony dragging of words mm-hmm. to the point where they almost sound like instrumentation no I like that I do oh, enjoy I something yeah. like that
2: it provides a different sort of emphasis than what you're used to with a lot more clear cut or, or, or speed oriented singing or even more melodic singing having it be that
1: long, definitely works within the framework of this horror noir that we're establishing. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, sure. certainly like a horror noir kind of atmosphere. Wouldn't have a tight melody. The melody no, yeah. itself would be a lot of just tones wisping in sure. and out. So yeah, we're we're still kind of fitting. I think this is the exact kind of outro they wanted to build, and they're succeeding at it. And then finally, we get to the big instrumental here. It's still built off much of the same like eerie chords as earlier, but it's so much grander at this mm-hmm. point. Every every instrument steps in. And it's just a, a, a bash. I mean, this is the yeah. kind of thing you're just, like, rocking out to. But still with expectations that there's more rocking to be had. The I guitar mean, the guitar is, is my favorite no, part of this This was of one, this one of the shorter tracks. Yeah.
2: I love the build-up to it, but it's, it's the first time you see the actual chops of the guitarist playing here. And that's something that, when you're talking metal or rock, classic rock or otherwise, to me, a guitarist who's going to be showcased needs to be... A quality level, and here we're we're showing right up front. He's
1: good. Yeah. He is really it's still good. Still a lot at what of riffs doing. riffs at that point, isn't it? At this point, it's not a lot of just continuous soloing. It's not. It's not the same kind of stuff that you'd expect from the more, I guess, f- focused or uh, penultimate sections in like metal albums. But his
2: p- his very, picking is really solid. His speed is very yeah. solid. His fingers are obviously very nimble on on his guitar, and that's something that just set up something I could look forward to. Because if he can do this without really
1: being experimental. I will love when he's actually getting experimental. Yeah, it's a it's a perfect intro for a metal album. Let's go into track two, the Coma Machine. So this is where we really get the metal. Yeah, this as, is
0: as Tenacious D has referred to it. There's as. a
1: lot more to discuss in this track. Yes. Frankly, this is this is a whole heap of. Uh, Of of words, so what Um, I like about the lyrics too. What I like about the aesthetic from the moment it starts, though, is
0: that you get this kind of theatrical, almost operatic metal feel. Um, And the word rock opera has kind of been thrown around with this album. I think you had mentioned. I mentioned it, yeah. And so you get that here from the moment this track starts. It's more heavy, and you get that
1: operatic feel. It feels like there's more drama here. Yeah, and also just the motion of this. I'm mm-hmm. really impressed with the drum work here, yeah. a lot more so than the first track. And to listen to this on the headphones is such an experience. You get a mm-hmm. well, well-rounded... uh Oral experience. It's, it's 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 well mixed. I think this album probably be better mixed than some of the other metal albums we looked at. Come to think of it, which were just relying on their their sure songwriting ability. But here, a lot is going into just the way it's presented. And then finally, there is that anthemic hook. That's the part that is sounds more like. A rock opera because that's the part that you almost could envision like chanting mm-hmm. later, but it's it's all in the intricacy here This is classic prog. It's almost more to em- more important to emphasize the prog in this track than it is to emphasize the metal the idea that you have A lot of exchanging uh, measures some measures of 3-4 some measures of 4-4 four, four, and then alternating emphases in between Like for instance the power chords in the guitar They alternate between this like measure of just uh, the first couple 16th notes where it's just like one e 2 and right and then when you go to the next x measure then they're not on the one anymore they're not emphasizing the one they're emphasizing the end so then it's and 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 it's 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 mismatched with the piano itself because the piano still steps in here as a kind of like stage piano it's emphasizing the end almost exclusively so the function here is just it you almost could put choreography to this and that piano does a great job
2: of linking the theme work to the previous track already showing that there's Uh, A heavy premeditation in what's going on here, uh, song by song. But it also keeps the track sectionally because it's almost, it's it's not quite A, B, A, B setups or even A, B, C, D piece setups. It's not so straightforward. But it's still divergent enough as you're going from one section to the next that... Well, the drum picks up here and there and starts falling away and gets more complicated the guitar doesn't really stay where it's gonna stay,
1: but the piano becomes one of the backbone pieces of the song itself. Well, I think it's because really this is all just the A section, but it's 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 made up in a lot of little, little prog clusters. So you have different instruments <laughs> making that's their new. appearance. Prague clusters, I like that. Oh well, that's not terribly new for prog. That's almost defines prog in a way. It's just well, you know, no, it's, you've new to it, the show. But to be it's also really buried in that um that melody. The melody it kind of it almost makes me overlook a lot of these other things because that's what I keep going back to. The melody is very mystical. Um, mystical even beyond what i describe a rock opera as. It, it has to do with the fact that the the, the the vocalist has reduced himself down to more of a, a deeper tenor, and it's, it's very warm. I'm still very much on board with the vocalist at this point. And then he has little dips here. Like, for instance, at 1 minute 20 seconds, this pure piano, So we've stripped away every instrument, now it's just the piano and these very forlorn trapped vocals, still in the deep tenor. And, you know, this is another part where I could still maybe take some issue with the fact that the lyrics are clouded. It's another uh, case of really, really drawn vocals, so that's a little bit of a minus mark. And then probably my bigger minus mark of the batch. And this is a little bit up to taste but the true B section when it finally arrives is pretty unmistakably defined by the same kind of screaming sounds that you get in a lot of heavy rock, heavy metal from the late 80s on. And it's just, I don't know if this really fits with what I had been expecting up to this point.
0: Well, because he had been singing more melodically until now and then yeah. it kind of kicks in with this heavy screaming which I've, I've which liked in like, other bands really, before. It
1: almost makes me, it pales like that, that previous critique of mine really pales in comparison to this, because at least in the case of the long drawn out melodies, it's like well, the music is beautiful, the melody is beautiful yeah, maybe I'm not l- listening to this for vocals or for lyrics particularly but in this case, I mean in this section I can't pick it out even if I tried, Yeah, you know? The two
2: sections, the A and the B that are going on right here are somewhat oddballs. They don't quite mesh up a hundred percent. They do feel like they may be drawn from two different songs. But thematically, they still fit with one another when you get down to the bare bones of the instrumentation itself. Well, that's One's because faster than the other.
1: That's what it really feels like. You know what? I would agree with the fact that the initial A section that we started with you're right. That's not really married to the B. But there's a funny little uh, little caveat to my comment about the way in which these sections marry and that's the fact that the B section is really divided into two subsections. There is a little A and a little B, or a little 1 and a little 2, however you want to say it. It's yeah. kind of like this phrase response deal, but they're very very definably different in their own right. It's it's marked by the screaming section or or growling section as it were. That's probably a better word to describe it. Um, And that's your little A, followed by a little B, which is really, really fun. It's probably one of the most fun things I had heard up to this point, because you get the spacey stuff, you get the more forlorn stuff. But this was absolutely great. This is more defined perhaps by a, uh, again, the playful tenor voice, but backed up with uh, two backing vocalists, and they're accenting on the quarter note. And it's a lot of just it's almost as if they're stomping along to the rhythm itself. But this goes on for maybe just two phrases, then we're back to two phrases of the the growling, and then two phrases of this, and you're having a blast again, then two phrases of the growling. And it almost puts them in context, such that after the fact, I was able to kind of get accustomed to the growling, at least as far as, as this section is concerned. Maybe not as far as the initial A section is concerned, but uh, this is the line that we're walking. It does set up two separate characters for the
2: song itself, and to a greater extent, sets up two separate characters for the album as a whole. It's an interesting way to introduce these two different voices, uh, to, to really give them different talking points to work with, different personas and to work
1: with. And the section behind it, too, especially as far as this little B section is concerned, uh, the little B, little, little phrase is that the guitar the figuration here is is sort of broken breaking up these augmented chords in the background and it's just as as lively it's just as jaunty i absolutely love it and from here i like what i like also is so i don't mind the
0: growling at this point I, i'm not a huge fan of it but i don't feel like it's breaking the broken in the experience i agree with steve i think after you look at the part as a whole you kind of it kind of brings it together but when he goes back to the melodic singing and and sings what's essentially the hook of the song it it might be my favorite part because of the way he kind of takes a breath and pauses when he's singing the lines you teach us what was you teach us what was out there like he takes a pause between you teach us what was and then the second line Right. and that space that breath
1: Gives this kind of breathy impact to the whole hook, which I really like.
0: Mm-hmm. And I like we, that and delivery.
1: We, we got that in the beginning, and we do get that again between the two sections. I'm talking between the B and between the return of that. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more of an expand. They try to kind of wrap it up before bringing it back, um, which you know, I don't know. It's sort of a take or leave it. I, I sometimes the way in which they reintroduce earlier sections can be a little bit sloppy to my ears, but you kind of just along for the ride at this well, point because there's just so much happening in so little time.
2: For this A, I wouldn't call it quite an A. It's It, it does come off as a little bit of an A prime, missing the very early, it does seem very a lo- melodic-driven section of that first A. Seems a little more dense, maybe. And it yeah. does seem to have adapted uh, to a lot of the elements that were in the B
1: section, but, uh, at least thematically and at least tonally. Not to take away from what Matt said, because I really am so on board with that, with that mystical melody. You teach us what was. You teach us what was out there. Um, lift up our limbs to focus. We soon drift through the night. It's it's really quite gorgeous. And then the, the track kind of goes on a bit of a tail. This is after that. It's almost built like a sonata form, to be perfectly well, you were honest. Saying earlier, it kind of felt
0: Beethoven. Beethoven? Oh, well, sure. I mean, yeah, he wrote the, Sonatas. <laughs> well, well, the idea that he, it ended but didn't end, you know, like, the song sounds a like it's of, culminating there are a lot of and lot it doesn't. Yeah.
1: Well, it's kind of like what I was saying before about the transition before they reintroduced the A, and it's mm-hmm. even more true here, because, I mean... That section was defined by, like, these bells in the background, and you almost get a sense, like, ooh, they're really wrapping this up, or they're moving into something new. They don't really move into something new. They go back to A, like you said. And then, after this, it's, like, a section that sounds like it's going to close and wrap it up. Again, that's number two. With longer melodies, you know, that's also another uh, uh, factor when you have, like, really long melodies that are just dragging it out, and they're all singing in tandem. That feels kind of like a wrap-up. And then this sudden break. Yeah. Where, like, there's a silence, a spell of silence for a second. A- and then we have, like, another little transition here, which really reminded me of Godsticks, by the way, which is a bit of a, a bit of a sound shift. It's a whole different brand of prog as far as we're concerned. Uh, again, we reviewed Godsticks back in episode 51. And just the whole structure here is like it's bringing in pieces of earlier sections, pieces of the A, pieces of the B, and and it's, little elements fit together kind of in the way you would, like, at the tail end of a sonata. Like, you have this, like... Um, or the tail end of an exposition for a sonata, you have all this like closing material that can, combines the primary theme and the secondary theme, both of which we had, and a transition, which we had. The whole thing is just kind of lining up like a sonata, albeit a very, very scatterbrained sonata. And then it goes into an A double
2: prime, yeah. another reimagining of yeah. the A. It did get a little bit long-winded. I thought I heard a C, maybe. (laughs) I didn't didn't actually dislike any of the individual parts, though. That second false ending, uh, the guitar-drum combination that's going on right
0: there... Really solid. It was almost a duet oh, yeah. of the two instruments. To be clear, I was totally hooked on the rhythm throughout yeah, the whole song. Was, the drummer was fantastic. Yeah, at this that, that
2: that longer melodies format that they were using with the with the drums and guitar together was great. It was, yeah. it, was it was it was so
1: pretty. I gave this album uh, a few listens, and I, I think at uh, what I experienced by at least really analyzing this track by itself was a bit of a split between sometimes feeling as if this could have been wrapped up a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and then sometimes just kind of being immersed in, in the whole feel of it. Because they're, they're doing this to show off, and frankly, they're succeeding. At least in this part of the album, they're, they're really succeeding. It's, it's irrefutable because they're still introducing themselves. It's early yet. And then with that A double prime, or what's the terminology? Because I don't know past prime. We
2: rarely get past prime. Not well. Double prime. We'll yeah. Could, no. I'm no. Call no. It double can, prime.
1: Yeah. It's just d- double, triple, two keep going.
2: What they do with this A is actually start introducing some electronic synth pieces, synth notes that transition directly into the next track, Dim Ignition. But not sh- just a straight transition. It's a beautiful setup for the next track. It really does does create the the one, two, three of this album, the first, second, and third piece as almost a massive like overture
1: for the whole album. Yeah. Track track three, as far as a transition is concerned, was really phenomenal because they're shifting their the, the gears entirely. They've they've brought in another another influence with which is debatable as far as our discussions are concerned. Because a lot of times we say, oh well, now now they're existing in an electronic field. That's kind of strange. Where did they bring this in? It sounds like a 1970s 80s brand electronica, A little bit cheesy, a little bit moogish. But within that, there's this like rich john carpenter feel who we also reviewed back in episode 149 that i mean it, it's that's kind of fresh in my head so i i could only see this through that lens and it's just so eerie and it's the way they transitioned that made this work and i will defend it you know against any naysayer
0: well the we're we're i don't feel like we're properly selling the transitions between one and two and of course two and three i feel like also that transition is so strong that when you get into this electronic john carpenter thing It's because the production here, I think, is less focused on live band instruments and more focused on just focused production work, that you're creating a sound
1: that is just...
0: Interesting. It just seems unique and not.
1: It's out made of, to sound somewhat mechanical, is the yes. thing. And we go from a very like raw sound where you hear a whole band just you uh-huh, know driving together theory, to do something uh, going right, from before. a coma
0: into the essentially sound of the machinery keeping you alive and nothing else. That's I think possibly. What I'll this actually is take to that one
1: one one level further, and that's okay. the idea that uh, I've experienced this. Not that I've been under anesthesia too much, but it, it, on those occasions, I kind of get the sense that there's almost. Like an electronic hum mm-hmm. at the moment that you go under. under yeah. there's like this this, kind of... this this buzz yeah. that from you know a the doctor tells was. you like 99, 98, 97, and then all of a sudden bzzz, and after that, who knows? <laughs> well, if you're going to go that far because even further, the lyrics promote the
2: idea that now the character is going to be meeting his specific ferryman yeah with an ancient figure crowds my focused path his lightning bolt eyes creep through my sights render the dwellers with freedom matter develops your kingdom dim ignition and then it ends with walk reverse i mean there's repetitions of dim ignition there's repetitions of walk reverse but those first lines an ancient figure crowds my focused path yeah here we are meeting not death necessarily but the journeyman on i'm really glad you brought story. up the
1: whole ferryman thing because yeah. i i love that whole the whole uh, the whole concept behind that—that that was God—I think that goes back to like the Romans or something like that. The, the, paying the ferryman. I'm not. I don't quote uh, me on that, but it's, it's pretty old. I know it's at least the Greeks, which
2: is why they have the two coins on the eyes to pay the ferryman to go across the thing. At least the Greeks. Yeah. Well, then it's older. Yes.
1: <laughs> at least the Greeks. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, I wasn't far. But, but this, um, this is
2: thematically. I mean, you're getting just through the sound and a little bit of the lyrical work, you're getting right here. Here's a major event. Well,
1: to, to explain, because the idea behind that is that it is transitioning. You pay the ferryman to get through, to get, you know, there's an ancient figure of, uh, of crowds, my, an ancient figure crowds, my focused path. There's, there's a, a point A and a point B. And this point A and point B to me really is track two and track four. And track three is the point, is the point in between that you need to cross through. This is that pay the ferryman spot because the track is really, really 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 short for them especially it's only two minutes long and for the duration you just get that transition as if you're going underneath oh, yeah. and you it's, hear the hum it's pure it's, rhythm it's yeah it's almost pure rhythm the there's out, really on only one element that's gonna that's kind of kind of crowd my uh my accepting of this track and that's the vocals
0: yeah so that's what i wanted to talk about a little bit is so this is a fairly short track and it does serve as almost an interlude between those two tracks to connect them i agree but the vocals here, his delivery, it's not screamy, it's sung, but it's kind of whiny and awkward. It's just he's not projecting in the same way that he was in previous tracks, and I don't understand why this stylistic choice. I it's, have it, an argument for that. Okay, well, let me finish my part first. I just feel like the delivery of these lyrics, because the messaging is spot on, is is
1: clouded, like Steve said, by this kind of whiny, almost delivery, and I just I don't buy it. It's a bit of a letdown to me as well, only because the the music is standalone, amazing, and to mm-hmm. be honest, I, could, I would probably strip this vocal track if I if I could. Um, it it's it makes it to be to me a little bit of a joke because it is so whiny and almost like a a, a prepubescent teen or something like mm-hmm. this. This like eh, and I, it seems like. Obviously, he had a reason behind this this choice. I just, to me, it wasn't initially. It seems apparent. out of place, and and it kind of belittles the track itself because he, they were doing something so unique there. It's, uh, in my opinion, what I think it may be trying to
2: represent is the weakness this transitionary point is for the character, going from having an event that puts him in this coma into that first moment of you know. The, the the Oz from you know the tornado that mm-hmm. that first instant of showing up in the new place. I follow that reasoning. It.
1: I follow that reasoning, but I don't buy it because it's it's it, it's still too comical to me, and there's nothing comical about the subject. I, I I wouldn't
2: say they did it perfectly, but I think that might be the artistic
1: choice in this I mean, case. I mean, I can yeah. see
0: the perspective, but I agree with Steve. It does take me out of the song a little I, bit. I think
1: it's just more the idea that they probably have used this voice in other instances. They actually kind of have a versatility of of palate as far as their voices are concerned. And mm. I'm not sure whether it's just the one guy or whether it's they're trading off singers here. I couldn't quite pick up on that. But... Uh, they have different manners of approach, one being the growling, one being the tenor, and another being this, that kind of are are interspersed throughout character. the album. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's whatever they, they choose to use in terms of a uh, textural element. That's really yeah. it. Um, I do want to, though, in wrapping
0: up this track, talk about the transition period, because we get another really strong and awesome transition. Mm-hmm. We talked earlier about this electronic kind of tone production work they follow that through to the absolute end of the track, stop on one note and carry that note, directly into the structure of the next track track four, it's just like a famine tick.
1: wolf it's just this consistent tick like a yeah. metronome but not not a tick itself it's still kind of the same synth sound as we got yeah. previously but it, so all of a Single sudden, note, it's all the notes though it's just yeah it's stripped of everything else and now it's it seems that we moved from being in four four which the previous track was and here in famine wolf we're, we're in seven it's much it's much more um free-flowing it is this this, this I, I can't quite describe it. The way it reacts when the guitar finally enters in, it's it's it feels like its own phrase suddenly. It removes itself from the mechanical feel. And that guitar is wicked. The note work it does is... The notework. work. <laughs> it, it's
2: not even chords. It's not anything like that. It's just like individually picked out broken notes in short little bursts of, of inspiration. It's so
0: pretty. We should it, comment. It, work those notes. We yeah. should tell the band that. Yeah. Work it, them. It, it is, but it's also a little masturbatory at this point. It's it becomes this, thunderous, and it, that's
2: the only way it, it, I can really describe it. It's not thunder, thunder, growly, rumbly, but it's like sharp, like the sound of thunder from a, a from a quick lightning strike. And I hear that, but I still feel
1: like it gets a little show-offy, at yeah, my, least in My structure. thing is that once they complete the transition, we are kind of in a, it's, it's going in a bit of a redundant direction mm-hmm. to me. It's, it's, it's very new metal um, not that that's a bad thing, but there's something just about the feel of it that almost seems to coast little, for me. It like, gets a
0: little cacophonous, too. I feel like there's a lot of noise in this beginning
1: Well, part. it was still impressive musically, yeah. but, the, but the thing is, the riff was forgettable for yeah. me. Like that, that, I think that's my main problem, because, of course, you could do whatever. Every, anything is—it's it's up to you. You go Go for it. Whatever genre <laughs> you feel, go for it. But if it's not memorable— that's gonna be a real real killer to me this wasn't particularly memorable at least as far as the riff goes later on the melody though got a little bit better and then of course there's another thing and that's the trade-off between the singing and the screaming which is so far proved to not really work for me the melody is here at this point still cool but then the screaming kind of has a tendency to push the melodies aside. Well, because it, it
0: comes in and almost harmonizes with the, the the vocal singing. Like
1: the well, no, it, there it's it's one and then the other. They're they're right. subsequent. They don't. There's no harmonizing necessarily here. But although yeah, it's true. Maybe there are some in the background, yeah, mm-hmm. and then the scree- yes, screaming or, yeah. or growling rather yes, is, yes. is is on top. But. Still, there's a trade-off in terms of sections. Another yeah. one of those like little A, little B kind of things in which well, they go cue tenor and then cue uh, the growler. But it's like, it's, this is not as free-flowing as the, as the previous case of, of track two where I was yeah. really, really supportive of this because you wait for that fun tenor spot. I wasn't really digging this to begin with, so here yeah, it's just kind of a pure minus mark to well, me. Well,
2: it becomes very full the song itself just starts overflowing with the amount that's going on right there. So elements start getting drowned out. The growling is not being used as just a vocal platform. It's trying to be used uh, as an actual instrument and it's not coming off 100%. Trying to work with the other instruments, it's, it's so hard to use that specific
1: sound of screaming, as a piece itself it's context we're lacking context at this point because really the last thing that i was really you know gung-ho about was that that just that opening that that intro which is really just a transition stemming from the previous track so that's not really it's not really a factor anymore it doesn't really seem to be dictating anything that's going on here musically at this point where the the electronic section is is deep in the past and then it's there's point here where we all of a sudden we go double time. Well, that's a classic metal move. It's closer to like two minutes in the track, and here it's just all screaming, all growling, and I just have a tendency to laugh at it. It's, it's. I know that's a taste thing. I know it's a, a huge style of, I don't know if it's a genre really, but it's a, it's a stylistic choice, and to me, there's just something inherently comical to me. It's it's just funny. It's great that they can play fast in the background, you know, and do the whole double time thing, but dragging it down is always this this growling.
0: Well, I also think that doing that double time is something that we hear a lot in metal. I mean, just this point at this point in the track, unlike the, uh, track two, where it was doing interesting things that we had not heard before, a lot of the, the transitions and the sections in this song are things that sound somewhat familiar to new metal and metal in general. It's nothing... Aside from little accents from the the, the the guitar and some other things, for the most part, it's fairly regular for what I Ultimately, would
1: Ultimately, the message is being lost, and because, back to what I said before about context, there really doesn't seem to be a resolution in sight at this point. That is, not until 3 minutes, 13 Eight seconds. Because yes. while the guitar was, and if you really strain to hear it, you can hear the
2: guitar. It's really fun, really, really intricate. Here, it, it hits a fun level, and I use that in quotes. And a lighter sound, and I use that in quotes as well. It's, I'm not gonna say it, fun. It it just starts driving a whole new message home with this
1: part. Yes, it's major, but it ain't fun.
2: Yeah, this it's is more a this is for sure.
1: actually another one of those sections, and, and there are key moments throughout this. And I think they're very astute. The uh, not that they were ever referencing Stephen Wilson, but this is the only comparison I have at this moment. You go back and you listen to Hand Cannot Race, There was this kind of safety zone that Stephen Wilson seemed to. Uh, Pepper throughout that album, Hand Cannot Erase, and it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. It was at least a really, it was like this fusion between pop, really, really nestled between pop and prog, and that may seem like a vast nebulous zone, but he found it, and I feel like the same thing is being done here, albeit in its independent way, and I really appreciated that. But even that resolution wasn't quite so impactful as the next resolution, which occurred only maybe a, a minute later. Within which we also have an, an, another really like heavy metal section to actually bring us to this point, but at four minutes fourteen seconds abouts, we are kind of back to that electronic segment, but it's very different. At this point, the guitars are almost in lockstep with this sort of triple meter thing here. It's like triple the triple the triple the triple, triple. Maybe a little bit slower than that though and everything is very staccato and this is guitars alongside the synth by the way. Both seem to be kind of reacting together. At least I think I heard both and-, and it's almost creepy in its way because it sounds as if one of those specifically the synth sounds as if it's being bent out of tune a little bit and I really really dig this. It wavers up it, 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 it dives down and I, I don't know where I am and I kind of love that I don't know. And it's got those light drums. And that was one of the things that I,
2: I think allowed the other aspects to really shine through. The drums took a huge backseat for this section. And that was almost like like a fresh breath of air by itself. Just having to go from this of the drums and to really just hear them playing along instead of driving forward was was what made it so much more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. No, it's really I, solid.
0: I I agree. Instrumentally, at this point in the song, I I am back in. Um, I still feel like the vocals can kind of get in the way, and they do kind of take a nosedive as we continue yeah, to right. let's, let's, all Let's
1: tackle that, because there's only one vocalist that I could think to compare this section to, because uh, I, I should amend my earlier statement. There are perhaps four different styles, and one of them seems to ring really, really close to Marilyn Manson. It I, just... It's the only way I can describe it because of the way he sings during this section, or rather just following this <sighs> section. Let me find those lyrics. Okay a homeless meat the street markets replace their souls gripping our oldest thoughts society has me out cold it has me out in the cold now the thing is in the earlier part the earlier lines here a homeless meat This is where that Marilyn Manson just creeps through so strongly because of the way in which he tapers off those words. Meat. and It almost seems like it has to be a vibrato that is gurgled into the back of his throat. You know, it's glottal almost. That is just so Marilyn Manson, I, I can't even, there's literally no other vocalist I know who does that. But the funny thing is that at the end here, the tail end line, society has me out cold. It has me out in the cold. And when he does that vibrato here, because of the way the guitars are still flowing along with those triplets out over and over, as if it's just this rambling, run-on sentence that you're determined to follow. And here, all of a sudden, he becomes a hook. And when it's just that line, it's no longer funny to me. It is quite serious. It has me out in the cold. And the, the, the tonic that he takes there, gorgeous. Frickin gorgeous. At least I think it was the tonic. That Further <laughs> than that, he puts a wine in it. But it, it, this wine is, is
2: really emotional. I'm actually connecting to it. It has me out in the cold. Oh, it's I that wanna... hold that he yeah. has on it. That reaching upwards. That's the thing? And then actually, as he goes into a few repetitions of that, one of my favorite lines of the album, purely because of the imagery, is uttered. And that is, move the flesh over this rotten bone one more time day and the way he uses this with a a downright freaking like crew cool groovy part is it's it's almost childish but childish in such a way that there's still that darkness there it still retains a lot of the, the elements that it, it needs to to fit within the song
1: but it it it's almost hopeful but depressingly, so you're still talking about the character of this yes, whole section yeah. here. Yeah, it's it's it is hopeful, especially especially the way he just kind of hammers out on the tonic over and over again. I I love that, and and you know it's it's full with this almost major seven feel, and then we have another uh, resolution that kind of follows that, which is actually a, quite a greater one at at five minutes, about five minutes eight seconds. There's this almost warped. Jazzy romance. I don't know how how to even begin with this, but this also follows upon that kind of hopefulness within the major seventh chord, and it's still pretty eerie here. But it, it's it is pure fusion. Well, yeah, but it also
0: feels kind of like a WTF moment. I mean, it, it, it is pure fusion, but there was a moment where I'm just like, wait, what? No, and it was well, so a lot so of those fast. moments.
2: But it still has enough of the previous elements. I didn't say scene. it was
0: disconnected. I just said I was a little confused. I wasn't.
2: I, you see, I wasn't confused. I really wasn't. I thought it still fit within it. It was more well, of an epiphany kind of a moment <laughs> going on there. It was more of an acceptance kind of a moment, or maybe a realization kind of a moment. He was still, the character is still very much a part of this, but it was a light bulb going off, and it was
1: a step towards acceptance. It's kind of a light bo- a it's like a up. light bulb going off in the course of a jam, section, which is, a jam session, which is still, you know, not to be sneezed at. That's the kind of goes- if... Even though this is a very tight track, there are sections here which seem to expand almost as if they were jams. And to be honest, they do it better than I've heard in most jams. And it goes back and forth
2: from this groovy section into metal, and then back into groovy, back into
1: metal. Oh, this that's, that's is the, the second time it goes back into the whole little groovy jazz thing, it's actually, it, it, it applies a walking bass. Like a legit walking bass in the background. And that just, it, yes, I'll admit it seems so out of nowhere, but it works because now it's following up upon a new idea that was followed up upon a previous idea. Because in a sense, I do kind of find some some marriage here between this little jazz section uh, to the prior um, electronic uh, Marilyn Manson section, however you want to put it. it all of this, it's just I, I love the way it's functioning together. I, I'm as far as the tail end of this track is concerned, I think I'm a, um, I'm a latent fan.
2: It sets up a theme work that becomes a focal point of the album itself, which is also personified between the two voices that we keep getting throughout the album. It's a light and a dark, and it shows here the hinting of the dichotomy that they're going to develop because these two focal points and these two voices end up being a very solid two-part character. It's not two distinct pieces anymore with the blending that they're putting between the two. It's the setup of the fractured nature of what's going on right here. It's very important, especially because lyrically, it sums this whole thing up with the words, this can't be our lifeline, not mine but our there's two individual thought
1: processes going on here it's also just the idea you know going back to like the super theme here of like watching your life flash before your eyes i mean there there are so many disparate sections and so many different feelings and emotions that you experience with life and i kind of do get all this once animal once lived for life one animal once lived for life excuse me um, scour the earth, turn the dirt red, this can't be our lifeline. That, that's repeated even earlier, this can't be our lifeline. It, a lot of the same, uh, unsettled discontentment that we got back in Hand Cannot Erase, for instance, which was obviously more about loneliness than this, but it, I still just love the approach here. It's very fascinating to try to, like, capture a life in the course of a song, and I think this particular song is doing it a lot better than some of the previous ones did, because I haven't really thought of that theme until this. Um, but even just as a musical expose, this is pretty neat. Uh, as far as the tail end of this track is concerned, it's almost, it gets a little silly. I'll admit that just for the tail end here, because it almost is like they're incorporating bits and pieces of, like, Pocket Bell's canon, which I think has actually already been metalized well before oh, this sure. track Trans- here. Trans- Trans-Siberian yeah.
0: Orchestra for sure did that. Anyway. Uh, yeah,
1: certainly. But it's, it, it's almost like the ending to, like, a crazy heist sequence, or, like, saving the day and running away from the enemy. But it, it's goofy, like, in the vein of, I don't know, National Lampoon's Vacation or... Caddyshack or Animal House—I don't know. It's just the way they—they they chose to end this. So I'm—I'm going to certainly uh, concede they have a sense of humor. It's just—it it shows itself. It shows rears its head in very odd places.
0: From here we go to track five. King redeem slash queen. Serene. Um the first minute or so of this song is probably my favorite moment in the entire record. Two minutes? It's, like, it's actually two minutes. Two minutes. The it's first two minutes, two, long. two minutes of this track are probably some of my favorite moments in this album and for sure some of my favorite moments possibly in the year this year of music it it, yeah it's definitely a piece up there it was okay so it starts with this sweet serene and very sweet
1: gorgeous melody it's I'm gonna describe this again as a little Stephen Wilson-y just a bit between the vocals the piano um the sadness associated with the theme of Hank and I don't want to keep er- er- the, they back bring back in that. chime only... work and marching drums to back this but it's another instrument That's yeah. like, this is the key thing here the kalimba yes remember we have a kalimbist right. yeah. yeah we have a kalimbist in the band somebody does it uh, and it's 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 definitely present in this track. I heard it here more than any other place. It's it's combined with the piano. They're both kind of playing in tandem. And, and this came together, to me, as a very post-rock alternative thing. It was very beautiful and sweeping.
0: And yeah, it had a sense of something we hadn't really heard yet. We had heard hints of it. But this is the first time they kind of really steep in that kind of uh, alt-rock kind of and nice it
2: builds. Place. it builds to yes. that. There's a, a sort of... Um, a hitched twang in the guitar over over the course. It subtly divorces itself from the very beginning and eventually has a, a sweet piano bouncing in and out of it, different from the original piano, that I can't really describe
1: Otherwise. I don't know. There's, like, two minutes in. If we're talking about two minutes in here, it almost kind of went to a Mission Impossible theme for me. It began it's, it's to like, march, feel yeah.
0: adventurous
1: almost. Exactly. It, it had an urgency again, which we'd had earlier in the album. Which is, I don't know, a, a debatable shift, I think. it's it's. Well, it's, I, it's this, got this got these lines. Place, we have to remember that for a solid two minutes, and we're just summarizing this in the course of a few sentences, that for the course of two minutes straight... It's really all intro, it's yeah. all building and, and we, at some point it dives back to just the the pure steel acoustic. So there's like an arc, a very, very rich arc in the course of just those two minutes. And then by the time we get to two minutes, now all of a sudden it seems like for the first time we're being introduced to content. Now I'm not taking issue with the fact that the content came so late in the game. I actually thought it was I'm right there with you. I thought the, the build up the prolonged build up was, was positively artful.
0: I don't want to skip over some of the lyrics though that we got. Alright right, let's, let's do that um, first. Especially the hook um, which is very simple but I just like the kind of setting that it creates. King Redeem Queen Serene Dusk Drifts by with one last try. And it's just this kind of emphasis on this focal point that really kind of Adds an emotionality. That could have been to this a little
1: track. later, actually. I'm not
0: sure. No, that right. no that's minutes. Minutes. No, that's within the first two minutes for okay. sure.
2: And and this this other line, entered this widened space inside our own small cage. I love that it's it's a very almost tropey idea of what's in your
1: mind when you go into. Well, the idea space that obviously diving. everything that we experience is confined basically in a, a, a you in know, a head few head inches head. by a few inches. Yes. It's, it's But yeah. it's quite
2: literally a, a "sky's the limit" kind of an idea. It's very beautifully portrayed.
1: What happens though? It, it builds to. A very... Alright, let's just say it. They start growling again. I don't know how to put it. We, I don't know how to put we, it at this point. We
0: get metal again, and I get that that's their shtick now, but I... Now you made, it, you made a
1: Freudian slip. We get metal. In other words, the three of us, we get metal. We yes. know what metal is. Yeah. And they're just doing that here. They're not doing anything unique in these sections, despite that they've just proven that they really have a, a command of the of the, the palette of instruments, as it were. I, and then during these sections, it's kind of just like they're comfortable doing an extrapolation of what a lot of other bands have done for the past 20 to 30 years. I mean, yeah, I was 20. mad
0: for two reasons. A, because I like that beautiful part so much. But you can evolve from something beautiful and go into something heavier. That's not impossible. But they do it with such generic rock metal and the screaming that doesn't have an emphasis or emotionality. There was so much emotion in that first two minutes and it just gets soulless by the time we get to the heavy part. Don't get me wrong,
1: there's a whole heap of intensity in in this track and I'm still down with that but I'm starting to become a little bit more uh, particular about what brand of it I receive. There's just a steady lack of
2: variation in the vocal work. Yeah, he does some rising and falling but the inflection can only be done one way and this inflection or lack thereof, shows that it just doesn't expand upon what might or might not be poetry. We can't tell. The drums are so fast and so overpowering, they're dragging everything, and I don't want this guitar to drag. The guitar here, when you can pick it out, and it gets a little bit hard from time to time, is probably... The best actual finger picking on the album. Let's, let's that's, go. That's it's so awesome at this point. I I,
1: I, I heard that especially in the hook here. That yeah. By the time we get to the real hook, he he kind he does shift from growling to more just the kind of not screaming but rather belting he's at the top of his lungs but there's a there's a voice there it's not clouded in in the growl and it's a little bit jauntier at this point and i especially heard this just jauntiness in the guitar It was actually my my favorite element at this part. you if you're listening on headphones you really get this in the left ear specifically and despite that the guitar is just doubled with the vocals essentially it's playing the same exact line still it just pops and it's it was something that I could finally latch on to, probably ever since the first two minutes. It, but it's not atmosphere, it's a single line. I dug that.
0: I And I hear that, and I did, I did get a sense of that. I just feel like what they were building to and the sincerity... I mean, the, the intro felt sincere. It felt truly emotional. You get... Blips of that through this heavy metal slog, but I just feel like it's not the same. Also, the poetic lyrics, you can hear them so clearly in that intro. But towards the end of the song, the growling gets so intense, you're losing the lyrics. Clench, trapped,
2: lids fold inside, blurred mine, dry tears foam from high, sleepwalk past my cornea, eclipse washed out, unscathed, search for the formal stage. I slipped past my own mind a small gift taken from my time. That's freaking awesome. That is so
1: awesome. You can't understand it. I don't know whether that was growled or screamed or belted. You can't understand I don't know. You can not understand most of it. Point.
2: And it's so oh, it it, it could have been
1: it could have been so much more than even it was. Yeah. So going further into this track, I mean it has a tendency to kind of loop itself. We go back to the earlier section, which we didn't really have much to say on anyway. It's just a, a long haul, you know, to get through that again, which I don't have many new comments. Except perhaps for the B section that follows that, or B or C, who knows at this point, where they, like, include these really random little bits of... And here I'm, frankly, a little bit inclined to call ADD here. We get, I've accepted a lot of earlier choices of them, but at this point, I, I don't know. I wasn't having it. There was a little, like... Moment. We're talking like a pickup up to maybe half a measure or something like that, where they just have a bit of piano in the left ear. It's kind of creepy, almost as if it were like a villain in an old movie. And I really do mean just the piano. Every instrument just stripped for it to do its thing and pick up that is lead into the return of this B section, which wasn't really anything in itself. It just was completely separate. So th- th- that's a real divorced idea to me. That is just like, I had an idea, here's a thing, I'm going to stick it in. Cool. And everyone kind of supported it as of the time, but I don't I don't see where it reacts with the rest of the track.
0: And we talked about that last week with um, with Walk Off the Earth, that they had a lot of that too, where it was just, oh, here's an idea, let's throw it in, and then move on from it. And this
1: has a similar problem. Those genres are completely different, be damned. It's, it's a similar structural yeah. issue. And then we have almost the same issue with the tail end of the track, albeit this was a bit more expansive, but it's at the tail end, and it has nothing to do with the rest of the track, the outro. It's related Frankly, to the intro, but, but... I'll call it, this is one of the most beautiful sections to me. One of the most beautiful sections yet, to me, almost in the whole album. <laughs> this is like, just by the fact that I can pick out everything. It was so clean. I can pick out the beauty of the instruments, and they're Their ability to orchestrate here because you got the whole nine yards you got you got the piano the acoustic the electric guitar for color and the warm bass all those things are just combining together for this golden ensemble edging toward a lighter side this is not as heavy despite all those instruments it's it's on the lighter side of 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 prog or the lighter side of post-rock almost and that's just for the outro here so in conclusion i'm left with a pretty uh Patchwork concept of what King Redeem, Queen Serene, is supposed to be. Yeah. I, uh, I kind
0: of just wanted the beginning part. This is one of those songs you've often talked about how when we get these expansive songs, you will you would take a chunk if you could, edit it out, and just keep that chunk. I would absolutely do that with the first two minutes of this song. Eh, all right. Hands down. I got you on board for something. <laughs> um, from here we go to... It's
1: not a great practice, but... No. Sure.
0: Turn on the darkness. This is... The, the guitar at the beginning of this track is... Imagine what you think sadness should sound in guitar form, and that's not it. This is it. This is, but it's it's it, it it's says, almost a caricature of itself. No, the guitar is taught how to say sad, and they say
2: sad, and they say it a few times as they're going along. It's it's got got an I believe feel is the, the, the piano was
1: element. I believe the piano is is present here as well though. Mm-hmm. But if it's so, it's the piano with the really really deep end. It's just low, to, yeah. yeah. And the then the steel acoustic overhead, and it, this is really really well mixed. It's just as well mixed and just as tight as that outro. Again, they know their transitions. Ironically enough, their transitions work so much better just in going from the outro of one song to the intro to another. They work so much better than the transitions within the songs themselves. I would agree. Mo- majority of the time. Yeah. Not always, but the majority of times.
0: What I like about this track also <laughs> is the way it starts with that ominous kind of sad guitar and the piano work. It gives me a reminiscent feel of some of the slower side of Alice in Chains, the kind of grungier, It's very creepy. subtle. That's, yeah. that's
2: the best way I can describe it. It's a very subtle Build and a very subtle feeling that they're pushing onto you right now. This allows it that when the A section starts really coming in, the A section, while being the first time I really will say it, really being kind of divorced. It still has a lot of thematic elements, again, that keep it connected to this introduction.
1: Yeah, I was a little let down, but I conceded it was probably a tighter melody than earlier cases. I was still let down to the same degree as, all right, really great intro goes into their more predictable uh, primary meat sections. But the but I concede that the melody was pretty tight. And vocally, I don't know, I'm just going to abstain from that discussion. It's a take it or leave it thing at this point. I kind of know their shtick, and we get that. And then section B, uh, just the same deal again, and this time it's back to the, the the growling, and very much the same boat as before this time, even to a the probably growl- a more irritated extent. The
2: growl is pure speed and energy, and the vocals are trying to, to, to learn how to be punctuated. <laughs> the other instruments are trying to do that, and here the guitar really starts showing off this aspect. It, this is another
1: case where I really wish I could just hear the guitar My, my point it's yeah, so the vocals, cool going they, the on the vocals just dominate they dominate here and and that's not what I want to focus on it has it it's got nothing to it for me in in these growling sections as we've explained earlier there's nothing different here but, I, did, I just miss at the beginning of the record there was a kind of
0: melding of the growling and the singing. Here they are divorcing themselves was completely taking section after section and it's like the intermingling was at least more interesting. Well no as than- we go
1: from A to B we do get that you know they're concurrent things. They I mean successive things rather. They they're it's still done, but maybe not in as short succession. Right. Like, you know, the prime example is that second track where you had the little A and the little B, the two phrases working together. That's, that's the best I think it has worked on this album yet. And it was the first example of its kind. Well, that's
2: because artistically they're choosing to really digest the two personalities from the main character. They're really starting to get their own identities. And this means that we're going to have to hear them start quizzing, Is that a word? Soliloqu- Soliloquizing? I don't think I heard We're that.
1: We're going to choose I, that as a word. verb. They're
2: really starting to get their own personalities. They're, it's showing through. So they're going to start talking about more things at once in each section. They're going to start actually having more to say and competing with one another. Artistically, they're doing an incredible job with this. They're really setting up two different people with one voice. Musically it does suffer because the
0: growling is a little bit too over. And just one other thing that I want to make a comparison, like I did just a moment ago with the previous track to last week's album. Um, this also suffers from the kind of every prog problem. It Like last week, they kind of had the every pop. They had a little bit from here and there, and it, it didn't really fit anywhere. It kind of just took a little bit of everything. They're getting that kind of schizophrenic thing here where they're pulling from their inspirations, but they're not really, in this song anyway, committing to a sound. They're kind of pulling a little bit of each, and it shows, and you can see the stitches
1: a bit, the seams. I especially found that in the last stretch of this track, Uh, but not before a a pretty interesting interlude, which I am going to describe, because it was... Uh, it had, This is a really, really minor thing, almost as minor as that little piano thing, but that I was very dismissive of, and frankly, this, I was kind of digging. It's a, It's just for one little subtle reason. This is after they kind of go back to the A, following the, the, the B section with the screaming, and they go back to the A, and then you get this interlude with this little chord cluster, just on these select accents. Um, Specifically on the piano, just in the background, and you just get this little C minor 7 here. It's this great moment throughout this this kind of jam, and it's this this, this density, this select moment of density, and I really, really wish it was more pronounced. I think this section is still like in 4-4, but it's just with that little piano in the background sparsely, maybe every 8 beats or so, you know, on that singular note, on that singular beat. C major seven, that little block chord, or maybe an inversion. You, I loved it. You pointed out every single instance of it, and it was something I
2: caught as well. It was, it was a sort of a melding of uh, other theme work that had come through. It, it seems so odd. See, I wasn't, and think, out of place. I wasn't thinking theme at that point. To well, me, no, that's like, just a great musical. It seems so
1: out, out of place though. Right, because it's their jamming it would... side, and it doesn't seem like there's. It doesn't seem like there's too much space like for jamming on this album. I'll, so they chose I'll a single that.
2: chord. <laughs> or a single note? No,
1: well, it's, there's a jam amidst that, but see, that's what binds it together. You need thing. you can't just have a continuous jam. It's like I said earlier, a run-on sentence is is usually a poor thing in music. It's usually poor because then you're just kind of, like, off on a tail, and you don't have anything to anchor to. You've, you've lost your prepositions, you've lost your verbs, you've lost your subjects, you just, you don't have anything. But then when you have that one moment, then it kind of puts it all in perspective. The percussion section is usually what does this, because it would obviously provide the anchor through which you can kind of groove along and jam. That's what percussion does it gives you groups and, and and then groups of groups with which to follow and here it's actually done just by that single piano just by that that single chord of that little moment of density because everything else is just is just separate lines or or uh, riffs well riffs or solo but you know Both. riffs or or lines but in this case in this case clusters you know that's that's why I, I, I love texture, and that's why I love talking about it, and it's it's worth it for this section. It's, Let's get it, back to your point, Matt, because your point regard, was regarding the... Uh, the
0: every prog that had a little bit of everything. That follows, well, also,
1: yeah. at this point, and it gets even more
0: so as we continue on, the shtick is becoming apparent, and I mentioned it earlier, but it's... They have to go back to that heavy rock. They have to go back to that metal. It's,
2: they have to use the metal jargon they know. They and have the, to still say the same things with their instruments. And, that's why and I don't get me p-
1: wrong, there's two other, like, like the last two points of the, One is a little bit heavier. It's almost like Rage Against the Machine, which is yeah. a whole other thing entirely. So it's like the every new metal, rather. Yeah. And then following that, it's the every prog, which is more of a warm sound. We kind of got it in Godsticks, but it's like an extrapolation of these things. It's that, it, it seems to me to be a little bit so which is why this album so far is, is shaping up to be so patchwork.
0: That's that's And that was one of our big problems amongst others with last week's album is it did feel kind of patchwork and put together and soulless at moments. The, the emotional peaks were just in places and we're getting that here. I mean, just on the broadest scope. And this is also one of the first songs that kind of comes to a full stop. Up until this point, we had had very powerful and poignant transitions from song to song and even in parts of songs. Here, this song... After about, I think seven or nine minutes, I don't even remember uh, comes s- comes to a full stop, like literally just stops, and then we go to the next song, and we hadn't had that before. Yeah, well, and
1: and by the way, the, the the amount the the stretch leading up to that point is almost exhausting. I yeah. remember this was one of the outros that it didn't have a good outro in this case. There yeah. wasn't that that it just harsh kind of rambled a little you're right, bit. You're right. You're um... right.
2: And that works to what happens in the ectopic stroll. Which is where we get our (laughs) first major new character. And right from the get-go, we get... Steve couldn't even really define the piano
1: that comes. On I couldn't. Here. No, I couldn't define it in terms of genre. I which mean, is great. Which is amazing. I love yeah. things that I can't oh, relate man. it to. Fra- well, I mean, you don't know. I, I really hate saying like, "Oh, that's a Steve Wilson." That's you know, course. I God sticks seat. Like this is. I the... love the, just being able to talk about the track for the track, and this is always a good thing. The beginning of this is just it's all piano, and it's really just built off a very simple structure. It's essentially rhythm, rhythmicizing an A flat diminished chord, and it alternates between groups of seven and 8-8. Eight- eight. And it does this for just a few phrases, and then the whole band joins together. And it does seem very, very born out of this. This piano still kind of stays dominant, but also it really starts taking on more of a theater piano uh, feel for a portion. And then the vocals step in, and man, they got Attitude, written all over.
0: I love the attitude that he's singing with here. It's, it's He's doing something interesting with his voice like he had done in the past, but it doesn't feel juvenile or Marilyn Mansony. This feels like it has a confidence behind it, an attitude behind it. There's a character here. We have a strong setting within the first few moments of this track, which we haven't really gotten in the last couple of tracks, and I'm digging that really hard. Sit down, please, sir. What is your woe? My
2: thousand-year-old wisdom will help you grow. The fantasy of the rewind. I can dissect a man of your kind. And when, that's, when he f- ends that line, the music shifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more familiar. And we get a, the, the familiar, softer voice. Please, Doc, I need help. My walls are covered <laughs> in velvet. That was amazing for him to switch his voice so quickly but so
0: iconically introduce a new character. Well, and it's so right away. It's so clearly defining two characters here. There's definitely a schizophrenia here, but not in an aimless way, just in a separation of personality way, which is very different from what we had
1: had before. The he's, B section finally... did kind of come out of nowhere for me. Although I do have to just comment on the earlier. but the reason why I'm just you know loving the A section, specifically following up upon what you said in the previous track, how you're talking about you know the schizophrenia as a whole here on the mm-hmm. album, and how you know we can almost just. We can comment on a particular section and say just how done with it we are, and then almost immediately, like some kind of astute fly on the wall, it's like they were listening and then they follow us up with just something absolutely amazing, and then all of a sudden we're just raving about it. So, yeah, it's like almost the best form of ADD in that regard. Uh, and regarding the B section here, I don't know, it... it I'm maybe a little bit on, on, on the fringe with it. It 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 was a little bit separate for me. It was a lot more jerky. It was sort of this oddball fusion between like the bass and the guitar playing off each other. I I did dig it, but I as far as a transition was concerned, I, I'm not sure it really worked with the really, really fun attitude filled section that was the A.
0: And I mean lyrically though here for the first time like John was pointing out we're getting and even musically a much stronger sense of narrative too which adds to that theatricality mm-hmm. that we were talking about earlier
2: well this is might be the first time we're really getting strong characters no. too no the, the characters have always been there okay this is the first time we're getting information in a okay. purer phone because shouldn't it only be one character I mean maybe it's, it's late to say this no there's but... a story going on here that's the whole thing but the story tell me the story there's multiple been... the story... okay all right The story has just been provocative up until this point. It hasn't been informative. Ah, And that's a problem with the story. That's a problem. I mean, the the, the provocative nature of this theme that's going on here, we're discussing it, and we're having a lot of back and forth emotionally on it. So that's great, but there's no information that we're really getting. That's a good way to put it because it's like –
1: this is dialogue. This is legitimate, straight up dialogue. It's like you're feeling something. You're feeling something. But what are you feeling? You know, yeah. and you have to kind of take a step back at a certain moment and just really address that. Um, but you're, I can't ignore just it. I felt something in A, and I knew what it was. <laughs> I don't know. Even if that's just in the ethereal, ethereal musical side of things. And the voices are back here, but they're
2: even more back and forth between the soft and growl. Yeah. That just this cemented the idea that. The the two identified voices are really two aspects of the same character, two parts of his mind warring with one another. From an artistic point of view, this was great.
1: Yeah, it's still, still
2: great, but <laughs> it's an artistic
1: concession. Because as we get deeper into the track here, these things start to they start to not hold water to me anymore, or rather, mm-hmm. they're just. They're really, really disparate and you really have to stretch to argue them. I mean, I'm not hearing any like thematic choices as far as the music is concerned a deeper into this track. I'm hearing very random ideas, the worst of which occurred with an interlude that Oh, geez, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, is this the one that was at 5 minutes and 20 seconds towards the end of the track? Yeah, I, it's almost like something They Might Be Giants would do. So, and it's like, you're not They Might Be Giants. You can't get away with that. Oh, it's just like the little weird sound bites. Yeah, we're not even getting to the strangest of the strange. It's like, it's like derpa derpa derpa. I, I don't even know. It's just, I it can't. was
0: random notes that just didn't seem to make sense. I mean, but even... It's via- comical, it's circus-y, but
2: where,
1: what is the precedent?
2: Yeah, well, it was also, if I'm not mistaken, coupled with the re-emergence of the Doctor character. Yeah. And he uttered one of my favorite lines. Not my favorite, number one on this album, but this is... I love the imagery. Sit down, sir, and lend me your mind. I'll twist and tinker every circuit that's inside. This fantasy of your soul, you'll soon accept all I know. And I love tinkering and twisting every circuit that's inside. That's a Just great Just the line. idea i didn't hear it it's great though i know that's the problem that's the problem a lot of these lyrics once read are so poetic even when they can be a little repetitive but they just don't come
1: across that way deeper into the track we get almost like the series of movements one was really just like a a flat combo between a piano and 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 a guitar solo just the piano bare bones chords in the background and the guitar is off on its own thing like a Joe Satriani segment well, yeah, and but then that, but we return really, back I don't know.
0: But what's really weird about that section is you get this kind of soul arm B rock and roll weird solo thing but yep. it had no place in the entire track. Yeah, as, like, as, as, this is a point I where I think I'm I made that clear.
1: Absolutely well, divorced. One, one argument, one argument I will make
2: place. but not very strongly because I I'm just going to say He's tinkering and twisting a person's
1: mind. Maybe they're just randomly going through memories, and that's why it's kind of just firing up yeah, different themes and songs and ideas. Was... I have entertained these notions before, but from a musician standpoint, this—it's not good. I, enough. I have to—I have to stress the fact that when I can't remember what the exposition is, I, and I do believe we got a return here toward the end. I believe it was a re- return to form. It certainly wasn't the A though, because that was memorable enough. Um, Maybe it was the B. I don't know. But it seemed like there was some kind of wraparound at the tail end here. And by this point, by so many just random choices in direct succession, if you don't remember the exposition, if you don't remember the context of the whole, then it, it's like a straight line. You don't have an arc at all. You just have a singular direction. And that essentially is a, a run-on sentence of, of, of one diatribe interspersed th- in, within another.
2: You know what? I might even argue that it comes off as like a montage. In some ways. A montage of this person's life. Maybe a collage. Or uh, that might even be better. Yeah. Sure. Which so just, just the
1: visual form of a montage. It's an art choice. Anyway. And
2: I'm, I want to give you credit for that. It's an art choice.
0: I just don't think it was a good musical choice. I agree. And I. Th- this is also the second track in a row where we get a full stop. It ends, and then we go into track eight, which is Rapid Calm. And... I even hate that I'm going to say these words, but I'm going to say them anyway. Rapid Calm starts slower. It's very spacey and vast and ethereal setting-wise. You, f- It feels almost sci-fi. But I feel like
1: this is where we're really getting steeped in stuff we've heard before. Well, we've see, I, heard this before. It's also the idea that when we go from this into a sort of prolonged transition that ultimately goes to a B section, I feel like the kind of... Um, or actually, the initial A section, rather. I feel like the the kind of development that we get here from one section to another is almost similar to what we encountered last week. The idea that, like, you have... Uh, sections of songs that well one is at a certain level and you're kind of coasting at that level, decibel level as it were and then the next is kind of a little bit more extreme it's your chorus, it's your hook, it's what you wait for and while obviously Walk Off the Earth is not between the buried and me I feel like their ratio was almost similar and the predictability yeah, yeah. of the ratio between one section to the other you gotta you gotta throw in some diversity and you could be argued, and I would infer- absolutely accept this, that you know the previous, uh, the previous track was a was an example of that argument, that, well, we get diversity there, but it just happens that, you in that, in that case, I have a different problem, and that's, you know, uh, a defining segment, a defining segment that that, that uh, captures the piece, or that you can work from and expand from, that justifies, you know, a, a six, seven, eight-minute track.
0: Well, I think it goes back to what I was saying previously, is that you can start to really kind of see the patchwork nature. You can see the stitching in this hole, and... You know, with, with this track, Rapid Calm. be fair, Calm, though. Well, all right, you continue. I just want to say, with, with this song, Rapid Calm, I, I did enjoy it. It's just, I felt like I've heard this before. And when it even picks up, as you were saying, you were alluding to, is when it goes from the A to the B, where it's the slower, kind of vaster, spacey section to the a little bit heavier it's part. It's almost
1: like a slow dirge at that point, yeah. like a slow dirgy march. It
2: could be. That's the integration of the two personalities back together
0: i'm tired making some excuses way. for the musical issues i'm not I making
2: really... excuses i believe these are the actual points that they're trying to make artistically it seems kind of on the nose to me uh, but i just don't think it was done perfectly but the or reason... even close to perfectly but the reason but here's I... a problem here's another problem the actual individual section by section while a lot of it is very typical metal or everything like that, we're not talking about the fact that it's actually produced incredibly well. There's still a lot of art going on here. Absolutely. There's still a lot of skill going
1: on here, and there's also a lot of reference work going on here. Yeah, though. a lot where I yeah. know they're doing they're. They're doing stuff that has been done before, and I've noted, and I very strongly have noted, the the instances where they pull something completely unique. Frankly, and I'll approach this with some degree of of self-consciousness here, because as much as I was harping, you know, in the last track about the progression of it and how it's just a thing after a thing after a thing, actually a lot of those things were really unique. They were kind of unique. They were probably more unique than this, when you really step back and look at it. My issue there, again, was just the progression of the linear nature of it, but I will accept any any argument, I'll engage in any argument, that, that for instance, the concept behind like a Grateful Dead um, concert is to experience that linear motion, not necessarily experience a wraparound. For instance, here we get more linear motion. You go into a section after this This is very, almost Vangelis, you know, uh, back to that sort of 70s, 80s feel, and that, frankly, is a running theme on this album, so it depends... It depends the lens that you actually choose to look at this music. It's almost like everyone has their own separate pair of glasses, and they're all bent to different prescriptions, and that's just how we approach music in general. And I could see someone approaching this with, through a specific lens, and they would see connections that for me are maybe a little contrived at this juncture, but uh, especially the streaming section that follows this, very contrived, but I see the value in it. I can put on different, different pairs. From here, we go to Memory Palace. And Memory Palace is probably
2: the most stitched together song on the album. It's the longest song, if I'm not mistaken, at about 10 minutes. Yes. Yes. But here, more than anywhere else, while I don't know if the skill is at the same level, here, I kind of want to see this in concert. And there's a reason for that. This is full of incomplete themes, incomplete sections, full of them all over the place. And a live version of this would be 25 minutes long, and it would be epic, and it would go on as the longest outro ever, and it would be great for that. But the incomplete nature makes
1: a 10-minute song just patches see, once that's again. See, that's a sample of the lens concept, though. I don't know whether you see it, you see it as incomplete, but I don't think they really were incomplete. or, or um, Phrase by it, phrase, it, section by section, I, that, A, B, it. C, D. I think it's linear motion, yeah.
0: Well, see, also, I think the problem with this song is where we're really getting a sense of this grand but empty feeling. I mean, I think it was Steve who said previously to recording that this is, they've produced a lot of dramatic moments on this album, but we're getting a sense that the drama is kind of... It's just drama in all capital letters. It's just drama for the sake of... It's adding to, but at this point, I feel like we're not getting any new narrative pieces. We're just being dramatic and grand and there's not much behind it
1: yeah i'll be clear my memory doesn't take me so uh so close to this track to really recall whether there were sections that that repeated or whether it was just linear motion but i can say this a lot of it comprised of almost exclusively riffs i I found that there wasn't even a lot of melodic material for a a huge portion of it um i I, mean this, this having just all riff that's great for an interlude, but I don't know, not really for an exposition. And in the the initial portions, what you have is exposition. So, you know, that's it. I can see that they maybe treat this track as an as an interlude, but geez, a ten minute interlude. And, and don't get me wrong, I know there's a la- there's a melody later on, but even that melody itself is so blase. It's as if it weren't even there. I was I was frankly asleep for a lot of this track, and it's a shame because I know that for a ten minute track, a lot of work went into this, a lot of work uh, went just. Piece by piece, unit. piece by piece, it was a lot of really awesome things that's my point
2: that's the point when I started this I think that soloing on top of this they could do some wicked crazy things they just never culminates that way
0: also in in regards to the fact that it's a 10 minute track so a lot of work went into it yeah sure a lot of work went into all of this but there were good solid minute sections that were repeated from other solid minute sections in this track it
1: probably, so there are yeah there are repeated could, sections it, and
0: then it could have probably been half the length and also it's even of,
1: more than that there's repeated riffs obviously the idea yeah. of a riff is you repeat it so what you really did you You know, you write a a couple measures, you know, and that gets repeated in a unit for the duration of the segment and perhaps for the duration of later segments, because often riffs and figurations by nature are reused. If this song had been at least half the length,
0: it might have been more tangible and easier to grasp but i think it just it felt like it dragged and like long songs that's the last thing you want like there were longer songs at the beginning of the album track two is a long song but i never felt its length because it did something interesting it tried different things but at this point we're doing the oh yeah we get it you're gonna do a metal section oh you're gonna riff oh you're gonna riff for for four minutes oh great okay and then you're gonna stop rifting and you're gonna slow it down a little bit rifting. and then you're gonna riff some <laughs> but more here's and the, scream but here i i can't take it a hundred percent that way because it's really good they know uh...
2: their instruments inside and out there's parts of it that's just really shine which is for why me.
1: i think that's beside the argument the yeah. argument really i think is the case of there is no subject uh, yeah. when you lack, there you go. When you you're lacking, lasting,
0: lacking substance yeah. at
1: this you, point. Subject. Not Sub- substance. I believe there's substance there's a lot within substance. the uh, at least the context of this okay. this track's placement on the album. I think okay. we talked about that with regards to the theme. Obviously, you're going to go through through uh, tears where you're just completely in the thick of it all, and you, know, you don't know where you are because there's the idea of almost being under uh, and of revisiting really, really traumatic points in your life. But... Y- Subject. Subject is what is lacking here, and you need. Do you really do need to intersperse that over the course of, of almost all of your music? It needs to make uh, <laughs> recurrent appearances. So let's go to the tenth track, Option yes. Oblivion.
0: So at this point, personally, I'm feeling a little burned out on this album, and the reason is why everything pretty much we talked about before. That aside, it's also this is another song that's shorter, but still, we're heavy, we're loud, we're screaming. It's metal, like. But, I, he, I but have here's trouble. the thing, there's an aspect to it, it, it has
2: finality to it, it has sure. a, a sort of fatalism to it, um, both with the lyrical work, the title itself, and just, it seems to be trying to start
1: doing the summation for
2: this story. Yeah, summation yeah. For problem, the problem though
1: is that that's why I don't think Life in <coughs> Velvet necessarily had to exist. Um, it's, I think I feel, okay. Option Oblivion yeah. did it fairly decently, and I'll give it that much credit. I think the, as far as the whole piano intro goes, okay, yeah, we've heard this before, and more in just uh, concepts of songs. It's not really a genre itself, and that'll be present in our topic, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the sound of it, right, I get it. It's almost like a piano as if it were just in a living room. It's not in a, uh, it's not in an auditorium. It's not, it's not a grand piano. It's almost like it were just an upright piano that someone's it's just home. practicing. We actually... We actually kind of got this last week also in Walk Off the Earth. It's a, it's a common trope. Um, but this was a much warmer sound. That was that was really like buried in the whole old scratchy vinyl sound. Um, this This had some more personal elements to it. Let's look at the lyrics here. Real eyes, a golden lever. A choice of gold or velvet. Do I go on or follow the crown in the smoke? My last choice deranged my voice. Real eyes. The lever falls down so delicate. Enlighten me, I'll follow towards the smoke, the wrenching of the rope, I'm always lost. The idea of dreaming in a dream, my vision is serene, please lift me up. So you get the sense of desperation, that's very clear. You get the sense also of the the very personal like lost in the thick of it, which is why I think the piano is very very appropriate here. I have certain little issues with the choosing the the choices behind some of these Phrases like the, the idea of dreaming in a dream. I, I guess maybe that's a little bit of inception going on right there. It was, sure. If it, well, that's if it pretty pretty much a, exactly what it is. If it is. was just a sentence, it'd be kind of redundant. But um, to
0: be fair, though, I mean, that's a thing that happens. I've had that happen to me. Dreaming I, in a dream. Yeah. I've dreamed right. and then woken up from that nightmare thinking I'm awake and I'm still dreaming and then I wake up again. I've had that happen multiple times. It's, it's, it's
2: a TV sitcom staple, if I'm not mistaken well, as well.
0: But it's more terrifying
1: when it's a nightmare. Oh, and yeah. No, and yeah, you're, no, you're no. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, it's, it's also like a false start kind of like sure. almost like you're trying to come back from something and you're not you haven't fixed it, because it's just you're back into the next level up dream or the idea that everything is still um, compounding around you. you know you thought you did it, but you didn't. That's and the, the whole song from the lyrics to the music itself
2: becomes sort of referential to the rest of the album. Yeah. Where uh, the the imagery of the rope, the smoke, and things like that, the gold and the velvet, big theme work throughout a lot of the lyrics we didn't read because you can't understand them anyway in so many cases. It's there. When you take the music you're getting a lot of referential work as well. There's nothing that makes it very unique and that's why it just ends up being an okay final chapter.
0: Well, also I feel like musically like it's referential to the album, but it's also referential to it's the genre it's dipping in and out of. It just didn't feel like we, we did not get in this track we really didn't get any
1: highlight moments or standout moments musically. It just felt repetitive well only the idea that after 10 minutes i'm glad to at least have the nice soothing piano
0: well yeah but that i mean that 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 doesn't really come <laughs> Nah, you are right it doesn't stick it yeah doesn't stick. from here we go to the final track life in velvet which is his decision
2: there you go a decision has been made the character has sort of become one peeing again that they were in the node if node was the prologue here's the epilogue i don't Really know if this epilogue was necessary? Because while it started off nice and sweet, it was an instance where it just goes too big, too fast, it stays there, and it was a big disappointment Well, since for it's me. the
1: final track, let's see what thematic note he concludes us on. Fresh air grips me, rolling hills on far, the smell of the living awakens all I am. Lift my limbs to focus, beauty is in sight, the hours I cherish are now false. My last exhale is purple smoke. Knees crash down on velvet robes. Dark worlds engrossing. Our sun is sleeping. That's very vague. Yeah. And musically... (laughs) It's beautiful, but it's vague. Provocative, not informative. And musically... It's
0: beautiful also. It's still kind of the tropey lone guy on a piano, but this time he's in a much smaller space, so it has a nice kind of thicker feel, but it's still a guy on a piano. Um, It's very subdued, but it's pretty. Um, Not unlike things we've heard before, but that said, I didn't actually mind it because it was still a little out of left field for the album just because it was just a a solitary piano. However, they do the thing that I've pointed out several times on this record, and it had... I just feel like it had no place here. they go heavy again. It's heavy metal. and, and It's I, very heavy metal. And I get the wanting to do that. They are a heavy metal act. They do a lot of great rock stuff, and they have the talent for it. But I felt like, especially for the theme that they were creating, staying on this somber piano note, and what it truly reminds me of, it sounds like the song Zeitgeist by Black Sabbath. It, in the middle of that album, on that episode, which was what episode, Steve? Uh, That was episode 58. It gave this kind of mellow and beautiful slow track to kind of break up the dichotomy of that album. The way this album was built, having that kind of same track here at the tail end really would have given a strength to the record. But I feel like because they just go metal again, they kind of ruin that, and it makes for a poor conclusion to this album, and I just don't really like it. I guess we might as well start wrapping this up. Um John brought us a hell of an album this week. You're welcome. But the problem here is I feel like I have different problems, but still a lot of problems. I mean, to be fair also, and if Darren is listening, we appreciate you very much, Godstick set an unfair precedent for Prague for me because they're frickin' fantastic. That is true. <laughs> and, and, and that's nothing against them. I'm glad that they're frickin' fantastic. But being this is the closest we've gotten to Godsticks on the heavier side in the prog we've done and I just feel like there's too many holes and not to say that everybody has to do what Godsticks does obviously that's not the case
1: they were doing something really unique at the end of the day anyway
0: yeah but with this I just I feel like it's too much of a patchwork monster it it's it's a Frankenstein while there's good there's bad and also the screaming vocals throughout the whole album most of the time it's not punctuated, it's not emphasis it's just ugly to me and I don't know that it's to the fault of the singer I can't necessarily say he's doing something wrong because I feel like screaming, singing and growling has it's place I like those kinds of bands I just felt, I don't know I thought they were going in, in, in a much cooler direction with the first track and most of the second track where there was some growling but mostly melodic singing once the focus became growling and the heaviness and going back to that cliche over and over again there were so many standout moments but as a whole I just didn't get wrapped up in this album. Now are they average musicians? By no means. By no means at all. There's some incredibly talented and unique things done throughout this record but I think it suffers from a lot of things that we've said in the past that other bands with multitudes of influences have. I'm seeing a many-headed beast with very little control or consistency, it's maybe it's not my taste too. To a point, that could be, but I just don't think that this album is a cohesive enough. The theme is there, but it's sub sub. It's kind of buried within. The arc is pretty strong, you know, for the whole. But I feel like theme wise, we're getting a general sense. But as John said, it's it's um. It's not as informative as we'd like it to be. Not more provocative than informative. First. Yes, that exactly. So, John said, not me. <laughs> right. Well, I said John said. In you, case someone thought was, I was John right there. I don't was know. He was pointing at me, so this that's is okay. Why, and what does
1: pointing mean in a podcast? I exactly, ask you. We have to
0: explain it. And that's why I make sure we introduce ourselves at the beginning of every episode now, so people recognize our voices. Key. It is key. But, um, but seriously... I think that there's stuff here that I like. But as a whole, I feel very Steve in saying that I would cut this up. I would remove the vocals from, from some tracks. I would I would necessarily but unfairly edit the crap out of this. And that's not my place. It's not my music. you know. But I just feel like there's not enough in the structure of the whole that I would really get behind and enjoy. It's definitely above average, but not much more than that for me as far as the big picture I think that they're doing something interesting in moments but overall it has a very general screaming growly metal core that I feel like they could have done more with so for me it's a mm, 3.4 it's not quite a 3.5 you guys are getting sillier
1: than me these days
0: it's it's not quite a 3.5 forget um, you I haven't done my rating yet you can't you can't comment on my rating True it's a 3.4 and the reason i don't make it a 3.5 or higher is it's definitely not in the fours there's too much schizophrenia for me too much inconsistency too much relying on the crutch of oh well it's art so i think it's the art thing i just it it was too convoluted at times for me it's a
1: 3.4 okay um this yeah this is a rather unique beast um I will preview my rating without being so specific yet. I do think this is the first album in a really long time that is, as far as I see it, almost unanimously in the threes. Uh, I, don't, I, mean, I don't know what John's doing yet. I don't know. But I, the way I see it, we haven't had a really good, like, average range album yet. I mean, I mean, excuse me, not in a while. Not in many weeks, because we have this tendency that if we like something, then we, we really want to just, like, exponentially ramp it up. We start liking it, and then we like it more on subsequent listens, and all of a sudden we find ourselves raving about it, and it's like, well, it looks like we got a four-range album. Or we find ourselves really like doing the opposite, you know, exponentially downplaying something. It's like, the more I listen to it, the more I don't like it. Now it's down in the twos, God forbid the ones. but And we do that so often that actually if you look back through our ratings and our, our number lists uh, in the podcast archive, which is available as CCP at a Glance, so you can look that up, then you'll find that there actually are not a lot of threes, especially recently, because we find ourselves getting so wrapped up in the concept. Now, as an album, I think I think Matt pretty much summed up what this has going for it and what it doesn't. The virtuosity is actually really, really strong, which is why I think it's 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 got to be in the threes. It couldn't be in the twos for me at all because of the fact that there's just somewhat more here than your standard like pop. I can listen to this. I really can. Even the 10-minute track. Like, I can listen to this in, in, in steady succession. I'm not going to be invested in it. That's the key thing. In other words, if this were on in the car, then for moments, I'm going to be rocking out to it. Absolutely just loving it. And then the rest of the time, all right, it's background music. That 10-minute track is, is going to be background music for me. When you lack a subject, but you still have a lot of virtuosity in its place, that's background music. Now, the idea that they included background music with equal... uh appearance on an album as some of their most key tracks where they're doing something wildly new is anyone's guess perhaps they thought it was just they thought it fit the theme well that's great but to me as an as an art form as a final product that just can't justify the fours to me um since you started the comparisons on on prog and i know it's unfair to compare against like other because Prague, Prague is a very very diverse beast but i mean Godsticks was doing something completely new to me, almost front to back. Um, Furthermore, they had the uncanny ability to introduce a subject in every single track and to uh, develop their sections in a unique way every single time without fail. That's why that is my only five-star album to date. Um, Scale the Summit in episode 67... It was all atmosphere, all atmosphere front to back. Still very virtuosic, but that became the subject. All of a sudden, I'm just, it's its evocative. I'm just feeling something and almost in tears by the fact that even no words really even had to be spoken. Um, and then Stephen Wilson, well, that theme, in that case, theme was the strongest. So actually through the very, very narrow, um, narrow lens of, of prog that we've had on this podcast, we've gotten a large variety of individual concepts that they really trumped, which is why those albums were all rated so highly. And the reason, is to why, the reason why this is down in the threes, and the first prog range album to be down in the threes for me, is because of another rating that was present on Consequence of Sound, given by uh, John Hadusik, or Hadusek, anyway. I couldn't sum it up better than this, so I feel no shame in reading this. Uh, he gave it a C-, minus, which is how they rate, saying that coma ecliptic clocks in at over an hour, but most discouraging is the band's failure to translate the album's conceptual themes to the listener in that time span. And it's a long time span, and all we're left with is just ideas we put them we piece them together i just that that's it that really is it they had a theme going in like hand cannot erase but sometimes you just gotta you gotta go for it and they didn't really go for it they went off on digressions that's the main reason this is down in the threes for me but i'm not going to be quite so harsh but it's pretty damn close it's like a solid 3.5 it's right in the middle the middle area for me because to me the early portion of this album really is a solid beast and it just loses it toward the end because it it it, it can't find itself anymore. Okay. Well, first,
2: Alon, thank you. <laughs> and I'll be thanking you in person, I think, tomorrow if I see you. It was... I think it might boil down to... I think I might like metal better than both of you guys at this point. Mm,
0: no, I still listen to metal.
2: Okay, I, <laughs> I felt the theme work a lot stronger, and I definitely see, Steve, from that quote you read why there was a problem. Because I had to reach to it. I had to find it over subsequent listens. So for me, I can't sum it up better than you guys, but I'm saying maybe I'm more forgiving. So 3.75. I think it really Ah. is a higher three than that. I enjoyed it immensely. Mm -hmm. Though I still had a lot of fun in the pre-discussion, making fun of it at points and raging a little bit here and there. But I it was because I was so invested in it
1: That's, well, that right.
2: I wanted to make those sure. fours and defend it and rage at it a little bit. And that takes us to today's topic. As we previewed and have basically talked about almost our entire lifespan, genres are one thing that we really have tackled over and over again. But genres are not the be-all, end-all when diving into music and divvying it up. Sometimes something can be from you know classic rock and something can be from punk and something can be from new wave or what have you and they're all still identifiably a type of song type can be as important as genre because type creates another layer of expectations irish drinking song
1: or just drinking song
2: in general that is a type of song and it's a song that doesn't really matter the instrumentation in the long run or even the beat or the elements themselves there's something one or two little pieces that if you put it in there We'll make it a drinking song, and
0: that's just what it is. I think with types of songs, it tends to lean more towards what the theme of that song is. I mean, love songs, heartbreak well, songs. that's exactly what it Break-up is. songs. You know, there's, and... it's where the narrative falls of that track.
1: Which is why, actually, I'm inclined to really pull back on the Irish drinking song thing, because more often than not, probably, like, 99 leading to 100% the Irish drinking song is going to be a kind of, like, Irish folk ditty or something like that, which really is a genre in, sure. in, in that case. Um, Those can be portrayed with folk and punk and rock. And the reason drinking songs are are exclusively Irish is because we're all a little bit racist. But... But anyway, I mean, I think a better example to the contrary really is more more along the lines of what Matt said. The idea that you have singular singular conceptual approaches, themes, and probably one of the most go to ones of them all is you know the heartbreak song sure. or the falling in love song. It's the whole like, what do you do to me or what do you do to me when 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 we're through or when you break my heart and such. This is just like it it pervades probably the the larger part of the compendium of music. Um, of modern music at least lyrical music for sure. That's the kind of theme people want to hear because it's like well What else are you gonna sing about? Something's a little silly to sing about. It's like I found a quarter on the street today I don't know. That's not really a good song. Um things you happen to work. I don't know office music. It's probably not like a a heaping genre or a heaping uh, theme um, it, It's it's love. That's really what we wait for. That's why it's such a big a big portion of the pie
0: well, also, I mean, thematically, you can get hyper specific or be more broad. Also, I mean, I often talk about nerdcore on the podcast, and what I like about the the themes of a lot of nerdcore stuff is they they take these structures of a song about video games or a song about movies. It's or, aesthetic in yeah. this case. Yeah. Well, I, I cover a couple a couple examples to so work on,
2: like, not quite the aesthetic, but the other ideas there's sort of an iconic idea of what a villain song is going to be in a movie or something like sure. that, or battle music. Yeah. I mean, the, a lot of times they'll have the same sort of elements. Battle music, very popular nowadays to have like a really riffy electric guitar in it or something like that. Yeah, and but that's not really, really a genre. It.
1: That's, it's true, that's yeah. the kind of thing you can do within any genre. Exactly. We find it a lot in metal, especially since cinema music discovered that metal was actually really cinematic, yeah. you know? Thus, this is a great thing to use cinema uh, to use for a battle scene, but just as easily you could use something by John Williams or Danny Elfman because they're great orchestrators and they have the command of an entire, you know, Philharmonic orchestra at their disposal. You bring in kettle drums and sure it's going to sound really, really terrifying or gongs, you know, or tremolo strings. That's very, very tense. It's epic. It's all in terms of...
2: Yeah, well... They, kettle drums are one of the best tools to use to create epic songs. Even if you're not eh, really doing but it's, the it's, same it's, sort It's more
1: dur- versatile song. than that. You can yeah. use it for other things. But stri- strictly talking about cinema music, yeah. I mean, even whether cinema music succeeds in that, you know, or not. They have a tendency to be very tropey lately. But, you know, that's what they're going for. Of course they want to have an epic film. It's like, well, why wouldn't that be someone's desire? That It's just a really, really tall order. But still... They have a, a wide range of, of options at their disposal. You could probably do the same thing with alt-rock or maybe even folk. I don't know, but I d- guarantee you it's possible. And and then there's stuff like,
2: you're talking about love, there's the lust songs. I mean, everything oh, from sure. the porn parody songs to just something to promote a very sensual or sexual idea. And that, that usually relies upon the religion, but that's just pan-genre uh, at that point. You could do it in any style you really want to with i mean i had no classical oriented pieces that will come off that way to the newest electronica noise it's just really in in cases like that it can be just the portrayal of the rhythm
0: to create that when we specific we talk about the cliche heartbeat in those kind of songs where the rhythm conveys a heartbeat and even
2: that the heartbeat itself can go from sensual lusty to even things like military. Yeah. And that's a whole different slant. I mean, there's a certain kind of a fanfare idea that's associated with just duty and military and that sort of idea. Obviously,
1: the music of John Philip Sousa is wildly different from the kind of marching uh, stuff that's done today in, like, modern, you know, uh, indie folk, which is actually very common. They want to bring in, like, a a military drum, like, the kind that would be, like, in the front lines and, like, the Civil War or something like that. A fun has a tendency to do that a lot. And it's a military motif, Um, usually used for very, very, like, rah-rah, go-for-it kind of tracks. Still, how are you going to describe it if you had to describe it to someone? Probably military, you know? But that's not John Philip Sousa necessarily. So, same styles, different genres. Well, think about even some of the tropier things that we like to pick
0: on. Those are styles, too. I mean, the single guy playing piano in an auditorium, I mean, that's a style. It's hyper-specific, but it's a very specific style. It's... It's extremely useful to set up the idea of a closing scene. Well, it gives a visual, too. I mean, it's a very strong setting as far as as music goes, you know, and creating uh, that's what a lot of these songs also that are of a certain type, as we're saying, are are strong setting songs, like a drinking song. Well, you get a picture of a bar and people drinking together and holding beers and swinging them around. Think of the... um, on um uh, whose line is it anyway when they would do the Irish drinking song and started die to die die, and then they would take turns singing it but they would do the hand motion like they were swinging a mug of beer mm-hmm. you know it's it, strong themes in a specific song are very visual I mean even more hyper specific to the villain song Um, Dr. Awkward and Schaefer the Dark Lord do a duet called Now Hiring. It's a rap song where it's a Craigslist posting from a a hero to finding the perfect villain. And Dr. Awkward raps as the hero. And then Schaefer the Dark Lord raps as the perspective of the villain. And it's giving a very hyper-specific theme to this kind of villain-hero
1: thing. You can have hyper-specific but you can also have broad, especially if you're going back up to the super theme of love. But, you know, the idea behind this is that well... You almost are accentuating the idea of expectation more so than, your, uh, than you were doing if it was just... Um, just the genre. Just the genre, right. Because the genre itself is, is really t- challenging people. That, that's, that's challenging your expectations because if you're just talking about genre, then like, you're going to find people that are just not into your thing. It's like, sure. well, then they're going to avoid you no matter what style or theme you're proposing. They're just going to avoid the genre, right? But then the idea behind styles is they're supposed to be more eternally relatable. If they're eternally relatable, then, it, it, you know, expectation is, is actually going to be more open.
0: Well, yeah, think about going back to Love and Heartbreak, The, the a band that I know did a... Uh, a uh, song that transcended genre by just making it stylistically a beautifully bittersweet heartbreak song was Honeybee by Steam Powered Giraffe. That song ah, yes. is just a Honeybee. really pretty love song. What genre is it? I guess it's folk. But it, it doesn't really ring of a specific genre. It just rings of a pretty love-slash-breakup song. And it kind of melded
1: both, because Honeybee, he's singing about the love he had for this person who inevitably broke his heart. Well, they come out of a, more of an a cappella style, which, you know, is almost a genre. The concept sure. that, obviously, if you were just approaching um, orchestration for or, or voice leading for pure vocalists, and the, the fact that they have music behind them is almost incidental, because the spotlight is so much so oh, on the vocalists themselves. Um, but it's like that's gonna yield a lot of options. It, it's yield a lot of options, but at the same time, it's been it's been pigeonholed into its own thing. The idea that almost every college out there is going to have an acapella group, you know, they 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 kind of are their own genre, despite the fact that they pull from so many different concepts. You know, there's an acapella version of everything, but when you hear it just as vocals, it's its own thing. It's its own animal. And then there's the musicians or composers that have created
2: their own trope or themes or identities when we talk about williams and elfman i mean if you say it's kind of like danny elfman you immediately are going batman beetlejuice edward scissorhands like his really iconic films and you can almost hear the music before you even hear a composer that's being compared to a composer or williams if you say it's sort of like a williams epic Star Wars, Indiana Jones. I mean, you're right away going to be hearing a full orchestra. It may not be produced by Williams. It may not be, you know, anything like that. But when you make this sort of illusion, you're even a set People connected uh, back. And yeah, you, you have... They're going
1: to take it that way. It's not emotion. an Irish yeah. drinking
2: song. It's not a love song. But if it's a Williams-esque
1: piece, you're talking about a, the same sort of deal. And also, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned before. Because if you're talking about, like, you know... When you mention classical music, it made me think, which, whoa, back in classical music, especially when people only had like that lens if you were in Europe, and that was the kind of thing you just went to. You either had that, or you had folk music on the street, but it's like, within classical music, alright, you kind of have a genre, even if they probably thought you know it was more diverse. Now we've retrospectively lumped it into kind of one thing. But uh, they there's a lot of different themes, or rather settings, that you can use. Which is another, if you're just talking about styles or concepts, apart from just like battle, love, you know, really generic things like that, setting is almost even more important. So the, I, one thing I, that I find us really going back to is the idea of the landscape. Like, well, where are you? And we find this in almost every track. We need to say, well, where are we? We need to uh, give a physical place to it. It's weird to ascribe a physical place to music itself. But like when you say spacey, well, where are you? You're in space. That's where you'd hear something even though you obviously couldn't hear anything in in space space, but still that's just that's our perception of it when you have that ethereal environment no matter what it is no matter what genre it is that could be you know a lot of times almost without fail it tends to be that whole 70s 80s era electronica but we find it in other things we have found it in prog we have found it in post rock a lot
0: well, also that idea of the noir, this kind of noir yeah. setting. We found it and in certainly- jazz, we found it in rock, we found it in folk. like, yeah. And we quantify that even further with, like,
1: cyberpunk or 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 dangerous more or horror more. And going back to the, the the space thing, it's also very present in classical music. I, I I love a lot of like contemporary classical pieces are really, really focused on space because it's not something that was really much of a concept prior to, you know, the Space Age. But um today it is. So therefore contemporary classical artists are really pushing that forward with like uh Jexper Hellman's um the Oort Cloud. That's the fantastic piece, you know, and there's lots of pieces that are just immersed in the concept of, like, the the disparate nature of the cosmos. So when you hear just these little, like, pings in the background and little string gurgles, you know, very softly creeping up into some kind of chaos, you almost get the idea that there are cosmic factors at play, that the, the Big Bang is happening around you, or you're in a nebula, you know, all being essentially uh, sped up for the duration of of that piece. It's really phenomenal, and... We find it in a lot of things. So all of a sudden there, all you're thinking is space. You're not really thinking of the genre. If it's successful, then it's already put you in place and you've forgotten about the genre entirely.
0: I think that when looking at music through the lens of a type instead of a genre, you get a much more broad spectrum of music. It also explains how we can get bands that, even though they're supposed to be a certain genre they do things that we consider outside the genre because they're sticking more to a type and they want to land that type regardless of the genre it puts them in. It's it's almost uh, an opposite effect because instead of being definitive of
2: a piece, it's expansive of the piece, but it's more iconic. You say punk, you know what it will sound like, but you don't know what it's going to say. These themes are more the words without having to actually listen to the music at that part. Okay, it's a love song. What kind? Breakup song. Alright, you already know this is the framework
1: and it's defining it without having to just repeat what it is. The mistake, I suppose, of a lot of people going into genres is that a lot of times they'll lump the genre as being pigeonholed into just one style, one theme, one approach. If you're going toward punk music, you're probably going to be hearing a lot about rebellion. You know, angry in general. Angst. Yeah, that kind of thing. That's not not necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, A lot of times it could just be a a heartbreak, and there's no reason you can't really have that in punk. Obviously, there's a huge degree of it. It's just that's not what people necessarily think. Right. Um, Because it's a very, you know, uh, aggressive approach. So it's just like, you know, she just broke my heart. Well,. Whereas one genre, like folk, would have the reaction to finger-pick your, your, your sorrows away. Well, punk is going to thresh it out and get that, that heartbreak out and the anger out in one fell swoop.
2: Or the worst possible example of blues and saying everything needs to be depressing. And that is not true. That might be the case where the genre actually is, to the detriment, named after something it's supposed to be.
1: Mm. But that has become something different, yeah, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: All right. <laughs> that was a Here rare moment of agreement. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Wow. Well, let's yeah. take that avenue and hit ourselves in the face with some spam. Smack that sounds, ourselves. That sounds dangerous. It does sound
2: it's dangerous. It's digital. I don't want to hit myself with the internet. <clears throat>
0: yeah, it would hurt. The internet's painful.
1: Either that he's going to hit me with his tablet. Do I have to it do it again? Yes. <clears throat> it's going to be finish of mine day. <clears throat> <laughs> that's the sentence but before finish I am reading this fantastic article to improve my knowledge by Gambling Paradise and what was it posted on do you remember uh, I forgot this title. mostly it's, likely a picture most likely a picture sometimes I just don't care yeah that's fair what's that first sentence again it's going to be finish of mine day <laughs>
0: That might be one of the best opening sentences to a spam we've ever it had. It makes me hopeful of the future that the
2: machines seem to be like, getting dumber over the <laughs> yeah, years. right? Well,
0: right? They're, they're probably being made, being made by Microsoft and slowly breaking down. They is made. <laughs> no, they, is. They, they, is made. Is. they is. They is. made. They is. They is made. So next week, uh, we will have our guest for August, and I've been alluding to it many a times. And because, we spoke about it already today. Because he's a good friend of mine, and I love when he's on the show. Nelson Lugo... The Magician Supreme is making his return, and um, he's bringing us a 2014 album called Benjamin Booker by an artist of the same name, Benjamin Booker. Um, I'm not sure of the genre. I didn't really look too much into it. I wanted to be surprised when we take it on together. Oh, no,
1: that means we're going to have the the, the whole B-Fat thing within the title. B-Fat. CCP episode 157 Benjamin Booker, Benjamin Booker. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's a self-titled record by Benjamin Booker um, It came out in 2014 and it was Nelson Lugo's pick um, So we will talk to him We'll catch up a bit Probably keep the interview on the shorter side because we've had him on a bunch but I do want to talk to him about his new strides in social media and in his new show that he's writing Um, and since we did a topic the last time he was on, and then we interviewed him the time before that, who knows? We'll run the gambit. So, thank you for joining us, as always, guys, and remember, magically, music is life, and And life life is good!